You're listening to the Sean of the South podcast today. I'm your host, Sean Dietrich. We're coming to you from Northwest Florida, and that music you hear in the background is the Copper Line Bluegrass Group. Roy McQuaig on the guitar, Matt Jones on the banjo, Jason Sloan on the mandolin, and Ricky Stanfield on the doghouse bass. Jason Sloan is a manufacturer, a builder of fine mandolins, and he does this all in his garage. It's a one-man operation. It's fun to watch him work. Jason, tell us a little bit about your mandolins. Well, I started building mandolins in 2011. Made my first uh, mandolin completely from scratch, an F5. This is the one I play now. And so I've uh, built, through the years, uh, F5 mandolins, a5 mandolins. I've built one F4 mandolin with the round hole. And uh, you can see my work, build blog information, all that good stuff at sloanmandolins.com. When I was a boy, there was a traveling missionary who used to come to our church. He would play the banjo, and he'd play it like a man with his hair on fire. He'd play hymns. Hymns that were sweet enough to make even hardened Baptists bow their heads and look into their laps. That's no small feat for a man to make a Baptist look into their own lap. Matt Jones is with us here today, young man with a banjo, and he's going to play How Great Thou Art. This is my favorite time of year, and it only lasts for about a month or so. It's the time of year when things go from being painfully hot to just a little bit chilly. And of course, in this part of the world, the chill 
only makes the humidity in the air feel a little sharper. It gathers around your nose and your earlobes and on your forehead, and you can feel it. And just like that, with the snap of a finger, it can all be gone tomorrow. And it's back to 84 degrees because this is the south, and that's how it works. It's the time of year when people throw harvest parties or country dances around dilapidated barns, and they must be dilapidated barns. A country dance just wouldn't be the same at a sheet metal commercial building with farm implements inside that are more expensive than most modern-day mansions. No, this is the time of year when you can enjoy simple things. Cocktail lights strung across, heart pine dance floors dotting the night sky with twinkling lights. You can't enjoy cocktail lights very much in the hot, hot summer. You're just too hot to concentrate on simple things. Take me, for instance, I sweat so profusely in the summers and in two particular regions of my body. I sweat around my belly region, where it looks like someone has just spilled a Coca-Cola on my lap, and I sweat around my hind parts. I look like a person who's made a pancake in their pants when I take the dance floor to do, say, the mashed potato or the twist at a wedding. It's humiliating. My wife makes me carry at least one change of pants wherever we go. Sometimes one change of pants isn't nearly enough. That's summertime. This is that thin sliver in between the summer and the winter. They call it fall in other places in the United States, but here it's not long enough to be considered fall. It's just just shy of six weeks, I say. I just went to a barn dance few weeks ago just south of Birmingham it was held on a friend's property he had an old dilapidated wooden barn which had old farm implements in it that he uses to man his land his small parcel of land he had a heart pine dance floor made from some logging property which he owns he and his son milled the wood together they placed it on the ground they embedded four-by-fours into the earth and strung cocktail lights from the eve of the barn all the way down toward the dance floor. And when the night hit, it looked beautiful. Alan has been married to Helen for five years. He is 54, and Helen is 60. Helen is what's known as a cougar. And at first, Helen wasn't exactly sure what to make of that word. She grew up in northwest Florida, and to her, a cougar was what old-timers called the elusive Florida panther. A black kitty cat with paws the size of frying pans, the cat which is about the size of a billy goat. The old-timers called these cougars, but this is not the kind of cougar people were referring to. They were calling her a cougar, which means she is an older woman with an insidious taste for young men with bare chests and beautiful faces. Alan loves this definition because that makes him a young man with a beautiful face. When people ask Helen how old she is, she will always tell them the same thing. 29 and Holden. When people ask Alan how old he is, he will always say the same thing as well. I am four years younger than my old lady. And this will always earn Alan a stiff slap on the back of his head. Five years is nothing to scoff at. Five years of marriage with Helen. Alan chose October 13th to get married five years ago. 
He chose this date because his children had both been married on October the 13th. In fact, they'd been married the same day, the same year, only a few hours from each other. The same chapel, the same congregation, the same preacher, and the very same reception. It cost Alan a small fortune. They had chosen October the 13th because Alan had married his first wife on October the 13th, Karen. Karen, his first wife, had died only a few years earlier from kidney disease. It had been a long, hard fight. Alan had been with her the entire way. Her last months on earth, she lost quite a bit of weight, and she looked like a ghost. Alan did not think he would find love, but he did. He found it in Helen. He met her at the VFW, and things just clicked. It was around this time of year. When they decided they wanted to get married, there was no question in Alan's mind when that would happen. It would be October the 13th. And so it happened. It was a nice little ceremony, and they've been married five years since. And now, to celebrate his fifth year anniversary, Alan has thrown a barn party, and it's on his land with his parents' barn. He remembered when that barn was built. He was a six-year-old boy. He moved all the farm implements to one side of the barn. He built a small stage for a band which he'd hired out of Montgomery. The band is a Hank Williams Sr. impersonation band. There are twin fiddles, a steel guitar, a doghouse bass, and the lead singer wears a cowboy hat. It's going to be a real barn party, Alan told Helen, a real barn party. And it was. The band showed up early with their gear. Women brought casseroles and food. And there was a table filled with coolers of beer and jugs of moonshine plastic milk jugs of moonshine which were poured into glass mason jars. When the people arrived, they all separated into their own respective groups, men with men, young women with young women, older women with older women, college students with college students, housewives with housewives, and they had conversation, conversation that was graced by the sounds of steel guitars and twin fiddle intros. At some point in the night, Alan had instructed the band to play Stardust, which was Helen's favorite song. When the band played Stardust, Alan planned on getting on the floor and dancing with Helen. Alan had not danced in 19 years since he'd last danced with Karen. At their own wedding, at Helen's wedding, he had declined the offer to dance with her. Instead, they had a catered dinner sit-down dinner and a DJ who played a few songs. But five years had gone by and Alan had grown a lot. He decided he would dance. He had even taken a few lessons in Birmingham with the help of his daughter. He'd learned how to two-step. He'd learned how to foxtrot. He'd even learned the Charleston. The people's conversation just bubbled and rolled. The men who stood by the liquor table were serving people with gallon milk jugs, moonshine, and Miss Edna walked toward the table. John Red was filling mason jars and handing them to people looking to get their glow on during the shank of the evening, and she said, John Red, I will take a glass of that moonshine. He said, Miss Edna, aren't you a little old? For Miss Edna was at least 80. 
She said, John Red, I have been drinking moonshine since before you were born. If you don't give me a jar of that moonshine, I will march into that dance and I will tell your wife about your inappropriate relationship with Donna Brown. Then Miss Edna walked away with a full jar of moonshine. But the truth is she didn't take more than a few sips. The first sip she took nearly ripped the flesh off her tongue. But it felt good just to hold it. She may be old, but she ain't dead. Men gathered in the corner and they talked about the same things men have been talking about since the beginning of time. They lied to each other. Men have a long history of lying. In fact, I believe the first man, when he crawled out of his cave, with nothing but an animal skin covering his unmentionables, he lied about animals he'd killed or women he'd had, and it was so pleasurable that he decided to teach his son this sacred art and his son taught it to his son, and his son taught it to his son, and here we are. Women gathered together over on the other side of the room, and they talked about the same kinds of things women have been talking about since the beginning of time. They critiqued what the other women were wearing. Women, of course, have been doing this since the beginning of womanhood, ever since they were created from a rib. They were critiquing what everyone else was wearing. Did you see what that hussy had on? I can't believe she wore those shoes with that top. And so it goes. And if they're not critiquing a woman, they're critiquing what the men are wearing. They will say things like, I can't believe she let him leave the house with that tie and those shoes. It looks like he slept underneath a rock last night. The children have found the live oak, which is about an acre away from the barn. There's a small group of four, five, eleven, and twelve-year-old boys who are smoking cheap cigars, and there is a cloud of foul-smelling cheap smoke hovering around their heads, and they are excited with themselves. Would that childhood could be as pure as it was when the worst things available to children were smoking cheap cigars and telling dirty jokes. Things have come a long way since then. Adam has climbed the tree. Adam is 13. He was trying to prove what a man he was and how adventurous he was. He climbed up to the very top branches, and on his descent, he fell. But Adam dared not go into the country dance party to look at his mother in the eye because she would have smelled that smoke all over him. Inside the barn, Stardust begins to play. The twin fiddles try to play the intro in unison, but they are god-awful. And that's because they've only learned this song just last week. They've practiced it twice, and now they're looking at each other, wishing they would have taken a little more time to practice a little more intently. But they did find it midway through the song, and it, it did sound all right. The people made their way to the dance floor, Alan and Helen. Alan had his hands around Helen, and Helen had her arms resting on Alan's shoulders, and they shimmied onto the dance floor, rocking back and forth from one foot to the other. They looked like a couple of high schoolers, high schoolers who haven't yet had the experience of dancing with a partner yet. Alan completely forgot about his lessons. He'd meant to two-step, or he'd meant to show her the foxtrot or something complicated, but all he could do was rock back and forth like a senior in high school. But it was okay, 
because they were able to have a conversation that way. Conversation is what Helen and Alan do best. Right after Helen and Alan made it to the dance floor, Alan's kids followed. Soon old men were dancing with young girls, and teenage boys were dancing with elderly women. In the back of the room on the farm implements were the children who were not old enough to dance. They sat on the giant tires and in the seat of the tractor, watching with great interest. They whispered to themselves and they giggled. They were in the shadows for the cocktail lights to not stretch over to the farm implements. Thus, they were able to make remarks from an outsider's perspective. Stardust played through about five different times. That meant that Alan and his wife were on their feet for roughly 15 minutes. And when the song finished, everybody clapped. They clapped and they clapped for Alan. They clapped that he had found love once again. They clapped because it was October the 13th, a triple anniversary. They clapped because this is the time of year when people get together and enjoy the simple things. Alan let his gaze go upward toward the cocktail lights. Behind the twinkling lights was a purple sky. Helen draped her arm over Alan. She said, I love those twinkling lights, don't you? I do, said Alan. Alan thought about those cocktail lights. He thought about how they're a lot like memories. Memories which are always with you. But you can't always notice them until the conditions are right. Twinkling little memories strung across the dance floor of your life. There's too many to take in. So you just look at them and blink. And it's almost like someone has deposited a novel into your brain. And all you can do, since there's no time to unsort it, is just observe it and let it go. Alan shimmied with Helen, and he remembered Karen. He remembered how he danced with her once, and he liked to imagine that Karen was up in the sky somewhere, far, far above the cocktail lights, looking downward. He liked to imagine that she was proud of him. Aren't these lights beautiful? said Helen. Yes, sir. They were some beautiful cocktail lights. Thanks for listening to the Sean of the South podcast. I've been your host, Sean Dietrich. I'd like to say special thanks to Copper Line Bluegrass Group, Matt Jones, Jason Sloan, Ron McQuaig, and Rick Stanfield. For more information about anything I do, you can visit seanofthesouth.com and drop me a line. I love hearing from friends. And speaking of friends, friends may come and friends may go, and some may peter out, you know. Everyone here will be my friend. Peter out or Peter in. <laughs>